0: analyzing, raising the capital, getting the financing, putting the property into the old uh, spreadsheet, done, check, move on to the next property. But I never did backfill with all the most important part.
1: Welcome to the Consistent and Predictable Income Community Podcast. The CPI methodology is the only system that teaches the proprietary process of CPI which is the key to having consistent and predictable income for salespeople without letting time, money, and relationships fall through the cracks. Russell Westcott is a real estate entrepreneur, author, and inspirational public speaker. Russell has been helping real estate investors start grow scale, the real estate portfolio of their dreams. Russell is a natural teacher, a master communicator, He was able to move more than 250,000 people with his books, audio programs, YouTube videos, online and offline presentations, interviews, and podcasts. In this interview, Russell shared the long path journey in succeeding real estate investing. My name is Dan Roshan. I'm the host of the CPI podcast, which is a real estate show designed to help top producing agents leverage and scale your business, allowing you to earn more money in less time for seasoned agents to help you get to the next level of stable income and for new agents to help you find the right way to freedom and money so that each of you can reach your potential as a person and as a real estate agent, which means you'll have certainty in your future. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy the show. Before I introduce my guest, my name is Dan Roshan, and I'm speaking with Russell Westcott, and we are going to talk about the long path journey to succeed in real estate investing. Russell is a longtime entrepreneur, author, inspirational public speaker. So That's what attracts me to Russ, and has really just been a master communicator, teacher, and has moved about a quarter million people to uh, action and and inspired through his podcast, his interviews, online, offline, and books that he's written. So, Russell, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here today.
0: Oh, thanks, Dan. Uh, Every time I hear that long-time veteran investor, I keep going, "I, I almost need to get my walker out and stuff like that. It's the old uh, Indiana Jones, it's not the years,
1: it's the miles. Russell, thank you for joining us today. The uh, the Long Path Journey to Succeed in Real Estate Investing. What does that mean?
0: So first of all, Dan, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity to share with your audience. Appreciate the opportunity to inspire new generation of real estate. My background is real estate investment. I'm an investor first and foremost. I have a business partner who's an agent, and I work exclusively with real estate agents when doing this. But, you know, at the end of the day, I own the real estate. I buy the properties. An old mentor of mine once said, you know, Russell, the money is made not in the selling of the properties. The money is made in the buying and the holding of the properties, right? So first of all, just wanted to thank you. Wanted to also acknowledge you and the what you're doing with your community. You know, daily show, 100 plus episodes you're creating a safe environment for your community to grow and expand along you at the same time. So I just want to give you some props for you as well.
1: Thank you, Russell. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me as well.
0: Yeah. So the long journey, the long game, if you will. So a lot of people, when they get into real estate, everybody, if you hear this, will say invest for the long term, you know, buy and hold. But a lot of people, if you actually sit there and think about it is what does that mean? Like, if you talk to the majority of people, if you go onto bigger pockets or a whole bunch of different places, I would bet the majority of the people, 80% of the people that are probably on there have been investing less than 10 years, probably even less than seven years, right? Everybody gets into this game with what is the, you know, I'm into it for the long term, but what does that actually mean? Like, what does it mean to own a piece of real estate for 20, 30, 40 years? What are some of the ups and downs? What are some of the cycles that you go through? What are some of the markets that go up, drop, go get flat, drop in value? What does all that mean? So what I've been just doing is I've been blessed to be able to do this for now more than 20 years. And what I'm now doing when you've been blessed, you need to be a blessing to others. So what I'm doing is I'm making it my mission to help inspire a next generation of real estate investors on their journey, on what it takes to go the distance, what it takes to get long-term. And I'm just sharing all my mentors that I've had over the years, all the resources, the things that I've learned, and I'm just whoever wants to listen on a park bench and talking to a couple pigeons there and a couple of people in the park. I'm just out there just spreading the message, for lack of a better term, sharing the good gospel to a new generation of real estate investors that need perspective long-term as opposed to just transactional, what's my next deal? So that's really what the long game means to me.
1: Thank you for the explanation. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about, uh, so we're in the uh, football season right now, NFL. And I was thinking about what you're sharing, Russell, and I was comparing it to the players who make a tremendous amount of, of money, which you can as a real estate agent. And then I was thinking about the owners of the team. I was just sort of thinking about the perspective of, well, what is, you know, that yes, that's great money that these guys make. And I would appreciate the opportunity if I was a, a young man in, in that type of shape. Yet it's really the wealth that goes with the owning of the real estate. And yep. um, if you look even like past players uh, that have become re- wealthy, 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 those are the ones that got into ownership or got into, you know, Magic Johnson, you know, he made a lot of money as a basketball player, but. Now he's a business person, owns multiple businesses, and that's where his wealth is.
0: Yep, I 100% agree. It's, you know, and now I'm just going to say something clearly. I don't know if we've said this, but I'm from Canada. So we have a different brand of football. We, you know, some might call ours junior varsity compared to what you guys. So um, I 100% agree. Let's go back right back to the beginning. Most people probably got their start within real estate investing or even became an agent by reading Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And uh, one of Robert Kiyosaki's, in one of his books, one of the most important fundamental concepts was build business, invest in real estate. Now, for many of your agents, you're building a real estate business to help transact properties. Take the profits from that business you're doing. Take those proceeds. Take those real estate after you pay yourself, after you pay all the bills, after you put the groceries on the table, after you you take care of all your family needs. And then take all that income and then go buy a property and go buy more properties. Like my business partner, who is an agent, um, he ex- works exclusively with real estate investors. And he'll go and he'll broker some big, big, large deals and make a couple hundred thousand dollars in commissions. And then he'll go take that money and go buy a property for himself and his wife. It just is all about how fast can you build the business? create the income from the business, and then take that income and then invest into a property.
1: And then hold on long-term.
0: As, as best you can, which is what we're going to talk here about is how do you go long-term in the game, right?
1: Well, tell us more about that. We're talking about peaks and valleys in the marketplace. So you know, right now, for example, well, we are in a valley, for example, in commercial real estate for office, I just signed a lease on one of my properties that I own for office space. I'm grateful to sign that. Today, and uh, that's been vacant for a tad bit of time. I probably wouldn't have bought that property today. Uh, so, that's a property that's not doing well for me. So, what advice do you give to me or to anybody that says, okay, we got a property that's not performing greatly right now? You know, what's the long term?
0: Well, the long term really is, is treated like a business. You really think about it. Essentially, we as investors are renting capital from both the bank and investment partners, uh, angel investors, we're renting the capital. Okay. And then we take that capital and we go buy a piece of commercial real estate or residential real estate, whichever floats your boat. And then what you try to do is you try to then rent it for higher than what you're renting the capital for. And then over a course of time, Hopefully, our rental arbitrage is in your favor, and you can actually make some money off of it, and then it gets eventually paid off. When you truly own the asset is when it's free and clear, and that's typically when the tenants pay that off for you. And For a lot of people just getting started, negative cash-flowing properties, whether it's commercial, whether it's residential, soon will eat you alive. And not only just negative, even ones that are going to become negative because of deferred maintenance, because of um, deferred cap expenditures. If you haven't been contributing to that asset along and it is so skinny and it's so tight, you know, get the rose colored glasses off. Either you're going to have to come out of pocket to keep that asset going, or maybe it's time to exit. It's a hard thing for me to make a definitive decision of what somebody should do without diving deep into the background. Sure. But yeah. most people only look at an asset, maybe one, maybe two, maybe five years. Very few people will look at it from a standpoint of 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And what does that look like owning that asset? Do you still want to own that asset when you have to put a new roof on it? Do you still want to own that asset when all the mechanical starts going on and you got to pay for it? If you don't have the cash flow from it now, where is it going to come from, right? And having a plan in place to uh, handle all the ups and downs and rainy days along the way because markets cycle, right? You know, in many cases across the country, both in Canada and in the US, there's markets that are absolutely on fire. And then there's some cases there's markets that are being depressed. So just pick and choose your strategy, match your strategy to the right market condition and be prepared to hang on long-term if need be.
1: Sure. Are you buying now, Russell?
0: 100%, absolutely.
1: What do you like?
0: My markets in Canada, in a province called Alberta, think Texas, right? It's an energy-producing province. It's uh, oil and gas, but it's also rebranding themselves into clean tech, all that kind of things like that. It's been the market I'm investing in has been flat for better part of a decade or more, and it is now poised to start going up. My investment strategy is purpose-built residential property. So I'm building housing. I'm building my houses with suites, duplexes, multiplexes, right up to eight units and above. We're building it and designing it from the ground up and uh, renting it out as a residential property.
1: Hey there. If you are a real estate agent and if you've been an agent for a second or more, you realize that there's sometimes peaks and valleys in your income that at the least make you feel anxious. And if you are looking to get rid of those peaks and valleys and you're seeking to have that consistent and predictable income, And to specifically take listings in today's market when it's near impossible to get a buyer under contract, I invite you to a five day listing domination challenge that I'll be hosting where you'll discover your way, not mine, your way to take listings and you'll be able to understand where to get seller leads who are ready to hire you right now in today's market and know how to get hired more often. I invite you to join us. It's a free five-day listing domination challenge. You can visit www5 day listing challenge. That's the number five, www5 So go ahead and visit www5 challenge and I'll see you online. Yeah, I know you've been doing this for a long time, 20 plus years. Tell us about the start. So take us back to day one if you could.
0: So uh, way back in the day, you know what? It started with, ironically enough, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, yep. It was right around I joke I make the joke. It was the turn of the century. Okay. It was the year two thousand. I was having a midlife crisis. I just turned thirty, and I had a little bit of a self-proclaimed Peter Pan syndrome. I just never wanted to grow up, and then I finally decided, what am I going to do when I grow up? I was climbing the corporate ladder, you know, with a, a sales and marketing degree with a national food manufacturer that time, it would have been like craft Foods and that. And then I was sitting there going, you know what? The ladder just leaned up against the wrong wall. And I was having one of those crisis moments. And where does every 30-year-old male turn when they're having a existential crisis? Where do you turn? You turn to Oprah, obviously. Well, and take a guess who was on Oprah. It was in April of 2020, Robert Kiyosaki was on Oprah. All right. And Robert Kiyosaki started talking about rich dad, poor dad, buying assets that produce the income to pay the bills that eventually, uh, you know, that you can get out of the rat race. And it was just a fresh concept to me. You know, at that time, I had never owned a house in my life. I was renting a basement suite with a roommate. And then from there, I just slowly went there. I read a book. Read another book, read another book, caught the real estate bug, went to a, a conference, went to a workshop, got the bug, dove to all in. Now, for many of your listeners, you probably know this name, uh, Ron Legrand out of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Ronnie was one of my early mentors way back in the day of in 2002, 2003. I spent better part of three years following Ron Legrand across the country, across every nook and cranny across the U.S., learning from Ron about many of the strategies there. And then I was trying to take all those strategies I was learning from Ron Legrand in the States to then customize it for our Canadian market. I often made the joke, it was like learning calculus in Chinese. And then I had to translate it all at the same time, but brought it back up to my target market I was in. I was bought a whole bunch of properties, bought a property a month for a better part of five plus years, continued to hard. build, buy properties today, bought multiple properties this past year, I've lost a lot of money on some older properties that I've bought, and I've made a lot of money on some properties I bought too. So I've kind of done, I call it doing the cycle. Pretty well done it all, almost. And now I'm turning the corner into giving back and sharing my message to help others on their journey as well.
1: Your first property that you bought, was that residential?
0: It was a residential. 12719 122nd Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta, in the Calder neighborhood. I paid $1. 28-8 and it was an up-down suited house. The tenant in the basement died about six months in and I didn't have the stomach to keep going. So I sold it for what I paid for it, and I lost about 500 bucks on the first transaction. But I went through, I bought it, I owned it, I sold it, and I only it cost me 500 bucks. So I figured, oh, good tuition. Keep going.
1: What's the longest property you've owned today?
0: I still own some properties today uh, that I bought back in 2003. And what is this? Was that 17 years? Now, I might use a little bit of a farmer's term here a little bit. I'm culling the herd, meaning I'm selling off some of the older properties to take that capital to reinvest into some newer properties and new builds. Now, I wish that we had that 1031 exchange that you guys have down in the States where I could just roll that over. But you know, unfortunately, we don't have that out here. Okay. But our personal residences are 100% tax-free.
1: Yes, and we have the 1031 for the time being, so we'll see where the future will yes.
0: go. What day of the week is it today and how sharp is uh, Mr. Yeah. Biden's pen at the moment, right? Yeah,
1: we'll see. So what's been the biggest challenge that you've had in investing?
0: Well, one of the biggest challenges I had was um, for this to go back, and I've done a lot of reflecting back on this 20-plus you know, years of doing this, is I grew too fast. I added too many properties too soon, and my ego got away on me. Make the joke is, you know, my ego was not my amigo at the time, and I was buying properties just for the sake of getting on a stage and telling people I was buying properties, and here's another one, and here's another one. Oh, look at me. I'm Superman. Look how amazing I am, and, you know, just keep sharing and telling all the properties you bought. So here's the problem that I did. I acquired the assets very quick, but I did not backfill with the business structure to support it. I was maybe not mature enough, maybe not advanced in my business savviness at that time. I did not have good accounting in place. I did not have good, potentially good management. I did not have good checks and balances, but I could sure acquire a property lickety split. Analyzing, raising the capital, getting the financing, putting the property into the old uh, spreadsheet done, check, move on to the next property. But I never did backfill with all the most important part is the ownership of it, the management, the control. How do you report it? How do you maybe do long-term planning on the asset, reserve fund studies, all that kind of stuff. I didn't do that. I didn't backfill that with some good sound business practices.
1: So then as a result of not having that infrastructure in place, Did that cause pain for you? Did that cause
0: a problem? Yeah. The pain that it caused was it was all great when the tide was going up. When the market was going up, sure, as you know what, all the sins were covered up because you had all this equity gain. All of a sudden, the market took a breather. And then the market took a longer breather. And then the market took a longer breather. And then the breather turned into some years. And years turned into a little bit longer. And rent started dropping a little bit. And, you know, there's the old Warren Buffett quote that says that you can always tell who's been swimming naked when the tide goes out. And, Dan, I was naked as the day I was born. It was very painful lessons at the time, and I've been just struggling my way through on a lot of those properties, even to this day, still keeping some of them going, which I probably should have let go of them a while ago and just cut bait. You know, there's an old saying is, fish or cut bait you know i probably should have cut bait quite a while ago on a few of them but i've been keeping them going uh the market fundamentals are now turning again i'm now building out a new portfolio and i'm doing it differently this time based upon you know 20 years of experience now
1: the real estate economy in canada is more stable generally than the united states real estate economy with a more of a growth that's relatively three and a half percent or so a year
0: in general terms, I would agree with that. But in, in many cases, it's actually very frothy in certain respects. The, the two highest priced markets in our country are very, very frothy. And one of the reasons being is there's a couple. You know, for many of your listeners, Canada is a net importer of people. We have yeah. very, very large targets for immigration of people to come in. Canada is a safe place to come to move to for a worldwide market. So we have a lot of people moving in. And there's an awful lot of bureaucracy, awful lot of red tape, awful lot of layers of government to be able to build housing. So we have a huge demand of people coming in, and we have a very limited supply. As a matter of fact, for probably the last decade, we haven't kept up with just natural growth rate of population. So we actually have a very tight housing market here in Canada. And when you have lots of people via a few houses, markets go up. And in some provinces in our country where you have rent controls, it's hard to keep, get your rents to go up to match. It's making it really tight and you have to get a little bit creative or you have to um, buy properties vacant or you have to go to provinces where I invest where there is no rent controls. So there is, you know, land transfer taxes. There are favorable rules to invest in there. And it's, in my opinion, it's also at the bottom of a cycle.
1: I recently wrote the book, Real Estate Evolution. The 10-Step Guide to CPI, Consistent and Predictable Income for Real Estate Agents. I wrote this book because I have sold real estate since 2007 and developed an immense amount of experience and knowledge. During my journey, I have witnessed hundreds and maybe even thousands of real estate agents fail in this business, and I firmly believe that that's a shame. In Real Estate Evolution, I will show you the exact steps that I have used as a real estate salesperson to sell 1 to 15 homes every single month for the past 129 consecutive months. It took me more than two decades to learn the sales and persuasion techniques and more than one decade to master the real estate sales techniques to be able to produce the content that makes up this book. And it took me more than a year to write at a pace of three hours every single day. If you're a real estate agent and you're looking for consistent and predictable income in your business, I invite you to get the book, Real Estate Evolution. And you can get that by visiting www.therealestateevolution.com. And I'll even give it to you for free as long as you pay for the postage. How are you acquiring properties today? Where do you find your properties that you purchase and what is your criteria to
0: purchase? Well, 100% mine is through my business partner. He goes out and he develops relationships with developers and builders in our area. His job is to kick the dirt and find the, the new subdivisions. And he's out there and sniffing out good properties. He's looking out five, 10 years out into new developments and networking with all the developers. My job is to get out there and shake the tree to find investors, to find capital partners, to find people that maybe want to invest into those projects. And my job is to get onto podcasts and YouTubes and, you know, flap my big mouth, uh, to get out there and spread the good word. And then what I do is I just make a comment to my business partner, Jason, when I got the capital lined up and I say, Jay, I've got some more capital. I'm ready to buy. And like a good realtor and a good business partner, his comment is how many and how soon. At any one time, he has a minimum of probably 50 very good investable opportunities on his books at any time. My goodness to goodness, I have conversations across our country with investors, and they're struggling to find good properties that make sense. I was out in our target market, and in a day and a half, I probably saw 45 grade A opportunities. It wasn't a matter of which one's better. It was a matter of can I buy them all?
1: So these are new developments that you, or new properties that you're primarily investing in?
0: Yeah, they're everything from a single family home that we will say, you know, that maybe we'll buy two side by side or okay. we'll buy an up down with some suites or we'll double them up and we'll go side by side with suites to have a fourplex or we'll do front and backs and make it into an eightplex or even stack a few of them on top of them, even getting into purpose built eight to 12 unit account projects. At the same time, freehold townhomes.
1: So if it's, say, a fourplex, yep. what could you acquire that for? And then what would you rent it for? Go through the financials. Like, what would you raise? What would the bank take? I mean, is the developer taking any paperback? Talk to us about how you would structure one of those.
0: I'll talk to it on end and then work my way back. The typical, let's say, for a fourplex, which would be a side-by-side. Now, you may call this a little bit different. You may call them semis or duplexes. Essentially, it's two houses with a common wall in between, and there's some rental suites in the basement. So, essentially, four units, two houses. You can pick that up and you can build that for about $900,000 all in, everything done for you. Okay. The bank will lend up to 80% loan to value on that. So, what are we, 700? Seven.
1: Yeah, 700. And change.
0: I find some capital from some partners to, as the down payment from there, and those will rent for about $6,200 a month. And after it's all said and done, after a, a really conservative pro forma, they'll probably cash flow about anywhere between twelve dollars to $1,400 a month in cash flow. So that's just one example. And then from there, you know, for example, just analyzing a property right now of building an eight-stack, four-in-the-front, four-the-back, a freehold townhome. So freehold means that there's no condo fees on them. And we're building the price on those is about 300 a unit, okay? And so for eight of them, it's about $2.4 million. And the bank will give you, potentially, depending on the financing structure they will do, will give you up to about 80% loan-to-value on it. And then the beautiful part about something like that is you rent them out individually. And then when it comes time to sell it, you bought it as one stack of eight, and then you subdivide it, and then you sell it eight properties. Buy by the yard, sell by the foot.
1: Got it. That sounds brilliant.
0: Like I'm pulling out all my farmer sayings here for you today, Dan.
1: I love it. I don't know if you saw me chuckle on the process.
0: Here's the thing. Where we're doing that, say, for example, I said 300000 for a townhome. Every market's different. But where I live, um, I'm in a Vancouver, a suburb of Vancouver, a brand new townhome where I live is about seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. So to get something for some of those that are maybe gonna to listen to this or maybe familiar with different markets, they're going, yeah, that's you know, that's that's cheap, three hundred and two thousand dollars for a townhome.
1: Yeah, and I know that there's a little bit of difference in the numbers with uh US and, and Canadians. Yeah. Uh do you know what the difference is? Just to get a perspective of what the numbers we're talking. I'm
0: not 100% up on that, but it all depends on different markets. Like Some markets are on fire, and if you go you know, not too far from where I live, I'm on the Pacific Northwest. If you go down into the Seattle area and stuff like that, they're significantly higher.
1: Geographically, how far from you are you typically purchasing, and what's the closest and what's the furthest?
0: All of them are at least an hour and a half plane ride away from me. Like I said, I live in a suburb of Vancouver, and the numbers just don't make sense here. Yeah. Like, you know, in the neighborhood I'm at, an average house in around this area is, you know, upwards of a couple million dollars. And for a couple million dollars, I can buy an apartment building in my target market and get $13,000 rent for the same price point.
1: You have to travel outside. And then how often do you travel to visit the properties?
0: Pre-COVID, I was every month. And since then, I've been a little bit conservative with the travel a bit. I get out there every six months to a year. But the beautiful thing is it's forced me to be very efficient with the team. I have an on-the-ground property management company. I have an on-the-ground boots in the ground. My, most of my team lives out there, even though I live somewhere else. And matter of fact, I enjoy being in another city than where the rental properties are.
1: If you were starting over today, Russell, what would you do differently?
0: In some cases, I am starting over in many respects. You know, 20 plus years in the business and, you know, I'm not afraid to say I'm starting over in many respects. But here's what I would tell people. Number one is quality over quantity. Know why you're buying the real estate that you're buying, not just buying it for the sake of buying it. And the most important thing to really do is to understand the tenant profile that you're doing. So there's a core teaching that my business partner and I do is we call it the three pillars of real estate. What you buy, where you buy, and who you rent to. Of those three pillars, who you rent to is the most important thing. Think about the tenant profile first. Get your tenant avatar. Design who that you want to rent to, who's going to be your customer. Then pick the area that tenant wants to move into. Then design the house to fit the tenant profile. If you Design the house in the area of your ideal investment uh, avatar of your tenant profile, you'll actually have a much better ownership experience as opposed to just going out and buying a place because it's cheap. And on a pro forma piece of paper, it looks like it rents well and it's going to be all this cash flow and riches and fame. You know, you actually have to run it like a business and you actually have to have customers and the customers have to have a good experience. And if you have a good customer experience, they will help you pay off the mortgages on each of those properties.
1: Russell, I love the fact that you, you start with the end in mind and then you work your way uh, into <laughs> the beginning. And, and that is fantastic with the way that you just described that. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, I've learned the lesson the hard way and I'm not going to do it again.
1: Love it, man. So for uh, listeners and viewers, so Russell is the author of a couple uh best-selling Canadian real estate books, including 97 Tips for Canadian Real Estate Investors, as well as Joint Ventures. The Canadian Investor's Guide to Raising Money and Getting Deals Done. So besides those books, how else can one of our viewers and listeners get in touch with you, Russell?
0: Well, you know, I went on a big corporate retreat within the business. We hired some consultants. We hired very high-powered marketing executives to come in there. And we had a think tank where we put together and we were going, okay, let's come up with some really creative naming for all these assets, the YouTube channels, the podcast, the website. Has come up with all these creative things. So, I paid an awful lot of money to some consultants, and here's what they came up with. Let's call it the Russell Westcott podcast. So, the easiest way is if you Google my name, Russell Westcott, and it's W E S T C O T T, you'll find all things revolve around that. All the Instagram, all the Facebook, everything's around the personal brand. And, um, you know, just having a lot of fun sharing the content out to a new generation of people.
1: I love it, Russell. Thank you for your time today, and for listeners and viewers, I want to announce that we just published the Lazy Agents Bootcamp, and when you visit www.findyourpotential.life, you'll have access to that for free to be able to learn how the top-producing salespeople easily convert buyers and sellers to be able to hire them. And so, I encourage for you to uh, first check out Russell Westcott, second visit www. Find your findyourpotential.life. Russell, thanks again. I appreciate your time and uh, God bless
0: you. Honored to serve. Thank you.
1: Hate the feeling of missing out and not knowing where to start? Aside from grabbing a copy of the Real Estate Evolution, the 10-Step Guide to CPI, we also encourage you to join our ever-growing group, the Consistent and Predictable Income Community, Apply for a membership on Facebook and visit us at thecpicommunity.com online to listen to our previous superstar interviews. This is Mitch Steven. You know, I had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing. Dan Roshan. Dan is a top team leader in the D.C. area with Keller Williams, and he breaks down his journey. He's somebody that you know struggled for the first six months, like so many real estate agents do, and then something clicked.
0: He helped me tremendously, specifically with creating systems in place.
1: It's very important to have a process in place that works, not just for you, but for also the client. If you are still listening, it is because you align with the CPI community. That means that you love to learn. You are ambitious, qualified, smart, and professional. Mostly, you understand that you're in charge to design your life. If you do not want to wait until next show is posted, I invite you right now to visit www.TheCPICommunity.com, which is the official website of the CPI community. There. You'll have to access to eavesdrop on past conversations I've had with the top salespeople, business owners, and entrepreneurs. The content is free, and there's no opt-in. If you really want to hit the ground running, I encourage you to apply on the homepage of the CPIcommunity.com to become CPI certified. It is a compensated service, and those that have become certified have reported back that they have more than tripled their business sales and done so in 20% less time. The CPI certification is a part of the CPI curriculum, which is the blueprint where you will learn the proprietary process of CPI, which is the key to having consistent and predictable income for salespeople without letting time, money, and relationships fall through the cracks. Lastly, I invite for you to share this podcast with others who are competitive, love to learn, assertive, relationship-based, self-starters just like you so they can also benefit. And please leave us a rating or a review and subscribe now so that you'll be notified of the next show. Thank you again. I'll see you on the next show. To your success.